Someone who is going to rule properly is going to do it with excellence. And it's going to be with humility and with thankfulness to God. There is no room for pride in this spiritual gift, in any of the spiritual gifts. Well, let's open up our Bibles, please. Um, I'd like to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll meet you there. I'm in Ephesians chapter 4. Well, we've been talking about spiritual gifts for a number of weeks now. I guess it's turned into a couple of months now, hasn't it? Yeah, we sure have learned a lot. We dealt with uh, the nature of spiritual gifts and what they're used for, what they're not used for. We've looked at the two basic divisions of spiritual gifts, those that were um, temporary and those that were permanent. The temporary ones are gone. They were good for the first century while the church was getting on its feet and also while the whole Bible was being written. And when the whole Bible was written, there was no more need of these uh, temporary gifts. And so they went. And we're left with the permanent ones. We've been looking uh, for a number of weeks now at these uh, permanent gifts. You see in Ephesians 4, verses 7 and 8, we are told that we're all given gifts, spiritual gifts. But under every One of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And remember that's a picture of the conquering king who comes back to his kingdom leading the captivity. Uh, He led captivity captive. These people would be brought back as captives and would probably be slaves. Uh, But then there was spoils of war that the conquering king brought back and would give to the people of his kingdom, his supporters. And what Christ did was when he rose from the grave, we ended up getting gifts. They didn't really get this in the Old Testament. We got it in the New Testament. We're all given spiritual gifts and Most of us have more than one gift, and many of us have several gifts. But everyone has at least one. Everyone who's born again. It doesn't mean everyone who goes to church has a gift. It means everyone who's born again has at least one spiritual gift. We went through this list of 11 gifts, and we've looked at ministry and exhortation and giving. (coughs) We've looked at uh, teaching and helps and faith, and evangelism, and pastoring. There's three gifts left. And we're going to look at two of them tonight. And those are the gifts of government and ruling. They may not sound as exciting to you as some of the other gifts, but believe me, they're very important as we're going to see. You know, it's a real nice thing that we're able to uh, come together on Wednesday night for prayer and for the study of God's Word. Because we're able on Wednesday night, it seems we're able to, to do some things we can't seem to do on a Sunday morning. And we're a little more informal on Wednesdays. 
but we're able to take subjects like this and study them in a little more depth. Hooray for Bible study. Hooray. Well, we're going to be looking tonight at governments, our government, and ruling. So let's first pray and ask the Lord to help us to understand these. Our dear Heavenly Father, you have put in the Bible several uh, spiritual gifts. And we've been working hard to study and learn what they're about. And tonight we come to government and ruling. Lord, help us to see the difference between these. Help us to see how they apply and why they're needed. And help us also to see if we have these gifts. Lord, lead us please in truth. Help us to live our lives for you. One day you're going to call us home to yourself. What a glorious day that will be. So help us to go home and in glory and not in shame. Help us to live for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Now you're in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I'd like to direct your attention please to verse number 28. Verse 28. It says, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets. And both those are foundational and temporary and they're gone. There's no more apostles, there's no more prophets today. We don't need them. They were used of God in the first century. Um, And then he says, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings. And we've looked at these. Helps, we've looked at that, and here's governments, and then diversities of tongues. We spent weeks studying about tongues. It's all up there recorded. It's all available on the internet. Go to our website, look for recent sermons, and you can, you can find it. It's not hard to find. But this one here, it says governments. Governments. Now, what are we talking about here? What is the spiritual gift of government? That's an interesting subject. What is the spiritual gift of government? I'll tell you right up. This gift is designed to help with the leadership of the local church. It's like being an overseer or perhaps a director. It's a spiritual gift that enables someone to help guide the church in the right direction with safety. And I underscore with safety. Um, Anyone can get behind the controls of a church and say, let's go. But uh, if they don't do it right, they can crash into things and sometimes destroy a church, which has happened. This word government comes from the word governor. Does that make sense? That's an easy one, right? And a governor is something that steers or pilots the big ship, the governor would stand behind that great big wheel, you know, with all of the little handles. That's the governor. And the governor would steer or direct the big ship on the the waters. And he would uh, carefully steer through storms and around rocks and reefs and get the ship safely into harbor. That's the, the job of the governor. Now the word can be seen in the book of James. I want you to turn there to the right after Hebrews is James. And go to James chapter 3. 
you'll see this actual word used here. James chapter 3. And let's see here now. In verse um, verse 3, James writes, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about the whole body. Now, every cowboy would know about that. He sits on the horse. This little metal piece goes in the horse's mouth. It's called a bit. Then there's the leather reins attached to it. And then he can sort of pull the horse one way or the other and, you know, directs the, the horse. But look at verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. A helm there talks about the rudder. Whithersoever the governor listeth. There's the governor. We just talked about the governor. The governor is the guy standing behind the big ship's wheel. And he, by turning the wheel, a series of ropes go down with pulleys and so on, and out to the back of the ship to that uh, little rudder or the helm. And it turns that great big ship one way or the other, whichever way the governor sees fit. And so the spiritual gift of government uh, is what enables men to be able to properly steer the church through choppy waters or dangerous waters. You know, the second, first and second century, <clears throat> well, even into the third century, I guess, saw a lot of persecution of Christians. Christianity was an outlawed religion. And many Christians lost their lives. Very horrible, brutal things that um, were done to Christians back then. And there was an old church leader by the name of Ignatius. And Ignatius wrote a letter to another church leader, a younger church leader named Polycarp. And Ignatius pled with Polycarp to carefully govern the church in the midst of those difficult days. Does that help us to get the idea of what a governor is and what the spiritual gift of government does? No society can exist without some form of of order and direction and nor can the church. Really, by all logic, human logic, by all human logic, the church should never have lasted 2,000 years. By all human logic, the church should have died out, you know, after a hundred years maybe, and have been no more. And yet, the church lives on. How is that even possible? Well, one way that it's possible is with the spiritual gift of government. Spirit-filled governors can help with establishing good policies and good practices within a local church. Now, how would you know if you had this gift? There's a good question. I suggest to you that if you have the gift of government, you will be someone who loves the Lord with all your heart. I don't believe the Holy Spirit would give that gift to an indifferent kind of Christian. A Christian with a hard heart, an indifferent heart. I believe the Holy Spirit would only give a gift like that. He would entrust a gift like that to Christians that love the Lord with all their heart. They're wanting to live for Jesus. 
I believe if you have this gift, you will find that you have joy in organizing and overseeing things like business meetings and helping with staff relations and dealing with details and generally making sure that the work of the church is done right and runs smoothly. Now, often pastors have this gift, but not always. Not always do pastors have this gift. I know of a pastor right now, and he's a, a good pastor, very successful, and he's doing a great work. He doesn't seem to have this gift of government. He readily admits he's the world's worst administrator, and he has a lot of trouble. He has men in his church that are gifted with the gift of government. And they're able to oversee things and make sure that things run smoothly and go in the right direction. I'm reminded of the apostles themselves in Acts chapter 6. They were running into a conflict of interest, it seemed, because they were trying to do everything and minister the Word of God and have meaningful prayer closets with the Lord. And at the same time, they were trying to oversee a food ministry feeding the widows. And finally, no one was happy. And so the apostles got the church together and they said that it's not reason or reasonable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. They said, look ye out among you seven men of honest report and full of the Holy Spirit. You know this story in Acts chapter 6. Those seven men were the men that were chosen. We fondly refer to them as the first deacons. But these were the men that were chosen to govern, to oversee that important ministry. And so there's an example of it right there. So the spiritual gift of government is that ability to be able to take the ship's wheel and to guide the church through turbulent times and troublous times, avoiding disasters and getting the the ship to safe harbor and safe haven. That's the job of the the governor. Praise the Lord for the spiritual gift of government. If it wasn't for that, I think that the church might not have lasted for 2,000 years. But you see, God in His infinite wisdom knew the church was going to need uh, gifted men to be able to guide His church throughout the thousands of years. And all of the crazy things the devil has tried to do to the church over all this time. Alright, that's the spiritual gift of government. The second gift is found in Romans chapter 12. If you would turn back there, please. Romans chapter 12. In chapter 12, we have another spiritual gift that sounds a little confusing because it sounds a little bit like the first one we just dealt with. And of course, we dealt with government. Now we're going to deal with another spiritual gift. And it's in chapter 12 and verse number 8. 
says, he that exhorteth, we, now we've dealt with exhortation, we've dealt with that. He that giveth, we've dealt with that, the spiritual gift of giving. He that ruleth, there it is right there. He that ruleth with diligence. <clears throat> the last one here, he that showeth mercy, that's the last spiritual gift on the list. And um, I thought we would deal with that later. But this one here, ruling. The spiritual gift of ruling. You say ruling, government. Sort of sounds like the same thing. And indeed, there is a little bit of um, overlap, let's say. But they are two different gifts. The spiritual gift of ruling is also meant to help with the leadership of the church. The local church needs a lot of help. That's for sure. And so God has given spiritual gifts to men and women in the church in order that the church can be fully functioning. You know, we as individuals, we, we have needs. We have needs to be able to hear and see, and so God's given us ears and eyes. We have need to be able to uh, speak, so God's given us the voice box and the tongue and, um, you know, the, the lips, all that, those help to form words and express the thoughts we're thinking. Of course, we also use our mouths to eat. <laughs> so, you know, hooray for the mouth. But then we need other things too. We need legs, but we need more than just legs. We need feet on the end of our legs too, don't we? And so what I'm saying is that God knows what the body needs. And God knows what the local church needs. And the local church, as it grows and develops, will develop all of the necessary parts that it needs in order to do the work the Lord has for it to do. And so the spiritual gift of governing, the spiritual gift of ruling, it's all necessary and it's part of the overall leadership of the local church. Having the spiritual gift of ruling is something like being a manager, if you will. A manager to help maintain things that have been set in place by the governor. Those that have the spiritual gift of governing will often be the ones who set certain policies in place for to set the direction of the church and the ministries of the church. Those with the spiritual gift of ruling are the managers that help to maintain now what has been put in place. Does that make sense? You see the difference? There's two different uh, gifts here. This spiritual gift of ruling helps to protect the church from dangerous changes to its doctrine. If it wasn't for this spiritual gift of, of ruling or managing, if you will, the devil would try and get in and change key doctrines and thereby change the church. The spiritual gift of ruling also helps protect against change to standards. Standards are important. There started in the 1950s uh, a movement to sort of reinvent the church. And the idea behind this movement was to imitate the world. 
And so the world lives a certain way. Well, the church ought to live that way too in order to reach the world. Now, the name of this movement became known as the New Evangelicals or the New Evangelicalism. Um, Sometimes they called it Neo-Evangelical. Neo simply means new. That's all it means. Same thing. But it was a philosophy meant to change the standards of the church. So the world dresses sloppy, so we're going to dress sloppy. You get the idea? And the world behaves a certain way, so we're going to behave a certain way. Um, The spiritual gift of ruling is a spiritual gift that God gives to certain ones in the church so that they can act like managers of the things that have been set in place. That they can help things to go, to go straight. Listen, every one of us, I think, has in our desk drawer at home a long piece of plastic called a ruler. Right? And if you want to draw a straight line, remember this in school? You take out your ruler and your pencil and you put it between the two points and you got yourself a straight line because of the ruler. And this idea of rule or ruler has that idea of a straightness. Not going wonky and crooked, but going straight, walking a straight line. We got a lot of razzmatazz in a lot of churches these days. A lot of real craziness. And someone has rightly said, it doesn't matter how high you can jump. What matters is how straight a line you can walk after you hit the ground. Can we walk a straight line for the Lord? Or are we going all crooked? The Lord Jesus Himself spoke of putting your hand to the plow. And I heard this story of this young guy getting into farming. And he was, it was long ago, you know, when they, they put old Bessie out front there of the plow. And he was walking there and he was always looking back, seeing how he was doing, checking his work. And he'd get to the end of the field and look back and he saw that the, the row was all kind of wonky. Huh? And he tried again and keeping a more close eye on things and get and there's a wonky, wonky looking crooked pathway he's plowed. An older farmer said to him, No, son, you want to look and fix your sight on a rock or a tree and just aim for that. Don't look back. And so he tried it and he plowed a straight furrow. And so it's important that we live our lives this way. We keep our eye on Jesus and we live a straight life. For him. That's the idea, the, the word rule, ruler. It's helping us to walk a straight line. That's why we need people with this spiritual gift. The spiritual gift of ruling helps to maintain quality of ministry. This is important. The devil is always trying to destroy churches from within. That's Satan's way. He tries to destroy churches from the inside. Now, some people wonder about this thing called church membership. 
and they say, well, the expression church membership is not found in the Bible, so why should we become a member of a church? Listen, membership is important because it helps to preserve the doctrine and integrity and direction of the church. If it were not for membership, you'd have no voting. If it were not for voting, you could have no uh, body of faith or doctrine that you adhere to. If there was no membership at all, then it's just a free-for-all. People could come in and go. People could change anything they want. Imagine a country that had no membership. We call it citizenship. They could just come and go and do as they please. You, you can't even have some kind of rule of law and order without basic citizenship. So membership is, is very integral. It's very important. No one can walk in this church off the street and change the doctrine. No one can. Our membership per, helps protect that. So this is very important. It's important that we stand back and get the whole picture of what a local church is and realize that it's the local body of Christ. God's will for our lives as Christians is to be part of that body. Whether we are a hand or a finger or a toe or an eyeball or an ear, whatever. Whatever the Lord would have us to be, we need to be part of a body. So this spiritual gift, very important when it comes to protecting a local church. Now as I say, <clears throat> the devil has been hard, hard at work in the last decades, destroying a lot of good churches from the inside. These days we're hearing about many churches, and listen, entire denominations as well that once held to good doctrine. They once preached a good gospel. Now they don't anymore. Now all that's changed. They, they used to promote godly living. They don't anymore. All that's changed. Spirit-filled Christian men with the gift of ruling could have helped prevent that problem. They could have helped to maintain what those churches once stood for. There's a church not far from here. They used to have a pastor, deacons, congregation, hymn singing, gospel preaching, supporting missionaries. Then they lost their pastor. <clears throat> Two years went by. No pastor. They did the best they could filling the pulpit. But this church, little church family, they didn't know what, what to do. So finally, a man came and said, well, I'll be your pastor. But I have to have absolute rule to do whatever I think is best. And so they said, okay, and so what he did was, he came in, he disbanded all of the deacons. He got rid of them all. He got rid of all of their hymn books. Got rid of their pews. 
he got uh, the big screen going. He brought in all of these modern choruses. He got a, a worship team up on the front. You know, with their drums and their guitars. And absolutely changed that church and drove out of the church the older ones who had given their life's blood for that church, who had worked for years and years in helping to establish that great work. And this fella in a short time made a, in my opinion, a mess of it. As far as I know, that guy didn't last very long. He took off, but the damage was done, you see. That church is still not what it used to be. Still around. Far from what it used to be. There's a movement started by a guy named Rick Warren. And he started a church called Saddleback. And the thing grew like gangbusters. And he wrote books on how to do what I've done. How to transform your church in 40 days. And a lot of it was just brutal butchery. A few churches caught on and their crowds grew. Listen, you can have a crowd, but you don't have necessarily have a church. But then there was a whole lot of churches that tried it and ended up closing their doors. They drove their people away, their good people away. They couldn't financially keep their lights on and their doors open, and so they had to close. And church after church after church has closed. The devil gets the victory. The devil's been destroying good churches, and he's trying to do it from within. The Holy Spirit gift of ruling can help prevent that from happening. It means that our church, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, can still be burning brightly, standing for the Lord. If we get people with the gift of ruling in place. Now, we're running out of time, but I want you to see this. Take your Bible, turn to... Titus chapter 3. So after Thessalonians and Timothy's, you'll get to Titus chapter number 3. You'll see this word in verse number 8. Titus 3 and verse 8. Would you help me to read this verse, please? Verse number 8, all together. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. That, where are we? Good work. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right, I'm wrong. Let's finish the verse. These things are good and profitable unto men. Thank you. Thank you. I got a step ahead of myself there. The idea of maintaining good works. That's the job of ruling. That's the job of like a manager who maintains the right stuff. You and I as ordinary Christians are called upon of God here to maintain. To make sure that we rule over everything that God has put into our possession. God has blessed every one of us with time, talents, and treasures. Those three areas, we all have time, talents, treasures. That's it. That's what we've got. 
We are managers, rulers, if you will, to make sure that these three resources are used wisely and properly for the Lord. That's for all of us, all of us Christians. Now, turn back to 1 Timothy, and you can see how this word is used in reference to pastors and deacons. 1 Timothy chapter 3, we have the qualifications for pastors and um, deacons also in this chapter. Chapter 3 and verse 4. So he's talking first about pastors. Verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house. So there, a pastor needs to be able to rule his, his home. Not with an iron fist, that's not what it's talking about but to be able to oversee, to manage, like a good manager. Some of you may have good managers where you work. Maybe the place you work, maybe your manager is not a good manager. Maybe he or she comes in and snorts and fire comes out their mouth or something and uh, they belittle you and they say nasty things and that's your boss, that's the manager. Say, well, pray for me, woe is me, I'm in purgatory. Some of you may have good managers who help you and encourage you and uh, uh, show you ways to do your work better. Those are the kind of managers we want. That'll help us to become better. And here, a pastor needs to be one that rules well his house. He needs to take care of his wife, take care of his children. Now, if you go down a few verses, you'll see in verse 12, it's applied also to the deacons. In verse 12, let the deacons be husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Same idea. They need to be good managers, good overseers of their, their children. Turn to page to chapter 5, 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse number 17. Here, in reference to the pastors again, they're referred to as the word elder. Elder, pastor, bishop, it's all three different aspects of the very same man. He's the pastor. Let the elders that rule well, you see there, many pastors have that gift of ruling. Uh, let them be counted worthy of double honor. <clears throat> That's the paycheck, by the way. But um, here the pastors are encouraged to rule well, to do a good job encouraging God's people and helping manage over them. Very, very important. Now, if you go back, please, to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to close on this. Romans chapter 12. There's something else about ruling that I want you to see. Chapter 12, verse 8, halfway down. He that ruleth, you see that? He that ruleth with, what's that next word? Say it out loud. Diligence. Diligence. Diligence speaks of excellence. It speaks of superior quality of work and workmanship. Seest thou a, a man diligent in his work? He shall stand before kings. And men who are very good at what they do tend to get an audience with the boss or the king. Guys who are just half-hearted, you know, they don't, they don't get a, an audience with the king. But diligence here speaks of, of high quality, excellence in work. And this would most certainly 
include humility and thankfulness because it's a spiritual gift being done for God. We're not talking about something being done out in the backyard for the neighbor. We're talking about something being done within the Lord's church, the church Jesus died for. It's done for God. And so the diligence, he that ruleth with diligence, obviously with high quality, but there's no room for pride and boasting. That's what I'm driving at. Someone who is going to rule properly is going to do it with excellence. And it's going to be with humility and with thankfulness to God. There is no room for pride in this spiritual gift, in any of the spiritual gifts. But particularly in this kind of one here, because you're dealing with people, you're being their their manager, if you will. There is no room for pride in in the... uh, Uh, The work of God here. In fact, pride is one of the seven deadly sins spoken of in Proverbs. How do you know if you have the gift of ruling? How will you know? Well, I suggest to you that if you really have the gift of ruling, you're going to love the Lord and you're going to love God's people because you're going to be working with them. So there has to be a great love for God and for His people. I believe that someone that has the gift of ruling will be walking humbly with the Lord. I believe that someone who has the gift of ruling will not have any problem in taking orders, say, from the governor. This kind of person doesn't have a pride problem. This kind of person can take orders and can give them out as well. This kind of person is not out trying to make a name for themselves. Hey, look at me. I'm the manager. I'm the ruler. I'm the one who oversees. There's no room for that that kind of behavior. A person that has the gift of ruling, I believe, will have patience to work closely with God's people, instructing them and guiding them and helping them and praying for them and encouraging them to do the will of God. All right, we've got to bring this to a close. Governing is something like overall overseeing. Ruling is something like managing, rolling up your sleeves and getting in there with the workers and managing. Both governors and rulers are essential to help establish and maintain the local church throughout its life. Avoiding the traps of Satan and winning the victories for Jesus Christ. Thank God for all Christians that have these two spiritual gifts. Now remember, all Christians, all Christians are to apply themselves in all of these areas of spiritual gifts. Even if you don't have the particular gifts of governing or ruling, you are still to learn how to do it yourself so that you can help govern yourself and help rule your own Christian life in order to bring honor and glory to God. Time to pray, folks. Heavenly. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.